bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord, those words give more comfort and hope and peace and joy than any other words spoken. Lord, grant today as we spend a few moments at your empty tomb that we would hear those words again and anew. Word that you live. In your name we pray. Amen. I wonder if any of you remember Ash Wednesday. Right now, with all that has happened, it feels like it was ages ago. But it was only seven weeks. This is where we began on Ash Wednesday. Right here. And this is where we're going to end our Lenten journey. Remember, we read that Ash Wednesday, the story of how after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And as they walked to the tomb, they asked the question that we have all been asking this season of Lent. Who will roll the stone away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? We've spent this past seven weeks looking at a number of stones, huge obstacles, heavy boulders that separate us from God, stones that we ourselves put in place, like resentment, pride, shame. Ingratitude. More. Today we're going to look at one more huge stone. A stone that looms very large in our world today. In our country. In your life and mine. I know God wants us to talk about this stone. I had confirmation of it yesterday. See, Richard Crouch and I, he did a devotion yesterday, and I'm doing this sermon today. We never talked to each other about what we were going to talk about. And yet he talked about the same thing in his devotion on Facebook yesterday. The Holy Spirit's making it obvious that you and I need to look at this, the stone is called fear. Now, fear is not new, right? We all have fears in our lives, fears about the future, fears of death, fears of being left alone. There, there are what some might consider irrational fears, but they're real. Fears of flying, fears of driving on the interstate, the fear of clowns. 
he laughed, but I was in a restaurant once with a youth. When a clown walked in, she tore off out of that building. And then there are the fears that we're all dealing with right now. The fears of a virus. Fears of an economic collapse. Fears about our jobs. Fears that just a month ago we never even thought about. Fear is real. It's powerful. Fear is an immobilizing force in our lives. It can freeze us. This is a huge stone. And that's why even though we can't be together in this room today, we need the message of Easter more than ever. And so this morning, we journey with the women to the tomb, wondering who's going to take this stone away. And the Bible tells us that there was a, a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. And Matthew tells us that the soldiers saw it. And he says that, that for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. What about Mary Magdalene? What about the other Mary? Well, they, they saw it. They saw the, the angel, they heard his message, and the Bible tells us that they, they ran from the tomb, fearful and full of joy, and Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Do not be afraid. Now, I want you to know that that's not a slogan. It's also not a command. In the Greek, in the original, it's a statement of fact. What Jesus literally says is, no fear. That's what the resurrection means. Loudly and clearly, he has said no to all our fear. Now, we're going to look for a moment at some of the fears in our lives. And first thing he does is God says no to our fear of death. Now, that's a real fear. And I know from those of you who have been calling me for prayers, that this right now is a real worry. It's why we're praying for our medical workers. It's why we're concerned about people who are out in public still and have to work in places like grocery stores. 
where they are meeting the public and don't know who has the virus. That's why I know many of you are worried about family members who are nurses and doctors and working with COVID patients. And you're, you're worried about grandparents and moms and dads who are, and people who have underlying conditions who are susceptible to this virus. So the fear of death is real right now. But it's also not new. Go into any doctor's office and sit there with someone when they get the news that they have cancer and you'll see fear come to life. When I was a kid, I... I was scared to death of what would happen when my dad died. What would happen to me? My dad, when uh, he got to be 65 or so, every time I'd do a funeral, he'd, he'd, he'd want to know, how old were they? What did they die of? Yeah, the fear of death is a, is a real fear at various points in our life. That's why Easter is so important. Because God comes to us and says, no fear. Jesus promises, because I live, you will live also. There's, a, there's an old sermon illustration I love to use for Easter Sunday. It's the story of a, a father and his son. They're driving through the country on a spring day. The windows are down because it's beautiful. And in a bee flies into the car. Now, the little boy is, is allergic to bees, and so he screams. And the father, without re re hesitating a moment, reaches out his hand and grabs hold of that bee and squeezes. And then he opens his hand. And the boy screams, and the, little, the father says, don't, don't be afraid. Look at my hand. I've taken the sting for you. That's what Jesus does today. He opens his living, nail-scarred hands to us, his resurrected hands, and he says, See, I have taken the sting for you. It makes me think of the words that St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 15. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God says no fear to death. By the resurrection of Jesus, he has also said no fear to all lies. Right? There are a lot of lies and half-truths in this world. And, and folks, you and I tell them. Sometimes to please people, sometimes to hide. But we're guilty. All of us. There were lies that first um, Easter, weren't there? They paid the soldiers who had been at the tomb. They paid them to lie, to spread the lie that the disciples had come and they had stolen the body of Jesus, a lie that people still today buy into. There are a lot of lies in our world today. False religion. False ideology. 
false philosophy. What, what the battle cry of our culture in recent years has been fake news. And there is a lot of fake news out there. There are a lot of whoppers been told in the news media about this virus. I read in one country where a lie got around that they should drink some liquid. It might have been formaldehyde or something like that because that would kill the virus. Well, it killed the virus. It also killed the people who drank it. How do you sort through all of that and find the truth? You know, that's what they asked Jesus, right? They asked him, how do we know that the words you're speaking are true? Jesus gave him a sign. He said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. He pointed to the resurrection. He pointed to Easter, didn't he? He, he, uh, that's how we know. The resurrection of Jesus is how we know. The resurrection is what makes Jesus different from every other founder of a religion because all the others are still in their tomb. They're still dead. But Jesus Christ, his tomb is empty. That's what makes the, re the, the Christian faith of Jesus different. The Christian faith that we worship different than every other is the fact that Jesus is risen. You know, the women, they weren't afraid of the lies that were told by the soldiers. They were there. They saw it. They heard the angel. He is not here. He is risen. The resurrection leaves no doubt that Jesus is the truth we can count on. There's <laughs> a story I read about a, a Frenchman who was trying to invent his own religion, and it wasn't going very well. And somehow he asked the French prime minister, what should I do? And the prime minister had some great advice. He said, get yourself crucified, and then three days later rise from the dead, and people will listen. God says no to the lie. Because Jesus lives, we also have no need to fear the future. With COVID-19, with the collapse of oil prices and the market and so forth, there's a lot of fear about the future, isn't there? There's a lot of uncertainty. People have lost their jobs. Literally millions have lost their jobs. People have gotten sick and died. People are afraid. We don't know how long this stay at home is going to last. Well, this may sound crazy. I'm going to tell you today, you have nothing to fear. You need not be afraid, no matter what happens in the future. No matter, even if the worst happens, you need not be afraid. Now, people often say, I wish I knew what the future but the truth is, 
in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I have something better than that, so much better than that. We know the one who holds the future. Now, folks, when I was a kid, I don't know if this is true or not, but we were taught this, and we were singing Jesus Loved Me in Vacation Bible School, and the pastor said, this is the sign for Jesus in sign language. You touch your finger to the middle of each hand. You know why that is. Because he was crucified. Jesus is the crucified one. Those are the hands that hold the future. The crucified, nail-scarred, living hands of your Savior, Jesus. The same hands of the one that those women saw and heard that day at the tomb. The same hands of the one at whose feet they fell. Those are the hands that hold the future, that hold you and me. Those are the hands that conquer death. Sin could not defeat him. He can conquer anything. God is for us, the Bible says. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Ours is the confidence that all things work together for the good of those who love God, that nothing in all creation can separate us from his love, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yes, God has said no fear to the future. And he has said no fear past. There's a story about an English poet who wrote a brief note to his 20 of his friends. And all the note was says, all is revealed. Flee at once. And to his surprise, the next morning, 20 of his friends had left town. Now, I don't know if that's true, but the point of the story is, is that we all have things in our past. We all have things we hide, things we don't want anybody to know. We all have done things of which we are ashamed. We're all sinners. I love what St. John wrote in this first epistle. He wrote, if anyone sins, we have an advocate, that's a good word for a lawyer, with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the propitiation. That is, he is the payment in full for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. No matter what you've got hidden in your closet, Jesus, by his death and resurrection, has swept it clean. No matter what hangs over your head because of sin, Jesus has silenced that accusation. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing, really nothing, for us to be afraid of in Christ. Why? Because by the resurrection of Jesus, God has said no to the enemy himself. You know, folks, the Bible says that the enemy, the devil, is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Well, the resurrection of Jesus has turned him into a toothless lion. Here's a story from history that I love. It's of the Battle of Waterloo. 
Napoleon was being faced by Wellington and the Allies, and this was their last chance to stop Napoleon. And the people in England across the channel, they're waiting anxiously, nervously for news of the battle. And so what happens? Well, what happens is they set up a a signal system. They put a, an English ship right in the middle of the channel and the, the ship will get the news from shore and then signal it to the opposite shore for, for the English. And so the battle comes to an end and the first set of signal flags goes up and then the word says, Wellington. And then the second set of flags go up and the word is, defeated. And then, as happens in the English channel, fog rolled over the ship. And so that was the the news that went out throughout England, that Wellington had been defeated. And you can imagine the discouragement and the despair and the fear. Well, an hour later, the fog rolled away. A cannon sounds from the deck of the ship. A third set of flags go up. Napoleon. That was the real message. Wellington defeated Napoleon. That's how it was. That Friday when... Darkness fell. That's how it seemed still that Sunday morning as the women walked to the tomb. Jesus defeated seemed to be the message. They were discouraged, without hope, ready to give up, sad, despairing, grieving. And then the earthquake came and the angel came down. The news, he is not here, he is risen. And they ran from the tomb, joy, fearful and yet filled with joy. Jesus met them. Greeting, he said. No fear, he said. You've joined us this morning online and you've come with all sorts of fear whatever they are in your life and to you and to me God would today roll back the fog and show us the whole message he would in clear and unmistakable words say to you and me Jesus defeated the enemy, Jesus defeated Satan, defeated death, defeated sin. God loudly and clearly in words that ring through the ages says to you and me today, no fear, for Christ is risen. He is risen from the deed. Alleluia. Alleluia.